I need the world to know my heart gets smaller and beats slower with every little break. I cannot have another person enter my life with knives, meant not to protect, but to cut. My heart is not for mounting on a mantle or framing in a shadow box. I cannot live without its gentle hum. It's mine, and if you come for it, come with seeds for planting and buckets for watering. Desire to watch me grow, grow, grow. If you sweep inside me like a breeze, my screen door open wide, understand I am vulnerable. I am still waiting on the sun. Do not bring with you tornadoes and bulldozers, tools meant to destroy. I am a wild and wonderful rainforest. Listen when I say, I cannot take any more of your digging. You are not worthy of wearing my shine. Hey y'all, that was Olivia Carmel, Denver-based writer reading a selection of her untitled poems. You can pre-order her full body of poetry, a how-to guide on surviving your first bee sting at oliviajcarmel.com. Welcome to Shoes Off, Please, my Denver-based podcast focused on spotlighting women and femme trailblazers, groundbreakers, and movers and shakers in their industries. On this podcast, I will also highlight happenings in and around my community, everything from shows and events, businesses, gatherings, and plenty in between. A little about myself, I'm a social media and digital content creative and lover of the arts. I am a cheerleader for other creatives and a champion of people making a difference in their communities. I live for learning and trying new things and sharing my experiences with others. I'm a Black queer woman that advocates for people of color and representation of everyone under the queer spectrum. There are so many voices and stories that aren't being told, and I want to give a platform to those willing to share it. On this episode, I'll be chatting with Bianca Laverne Jones, an actor and director. She stars as Rachel, the dynamic lead in a new play called Last Night and the Night Before, which has had a very successful debut here in Denver at the Denver Complex for Performing Arts, downtown at the Rickardson Theater. It's a beautiful, heart-wrenching, and yet comedic story about a family that makes many hard decisions based around the life of a child named Sam. They struggle with toxic cycles, anxiety, drug addiction, and family structure. A very cool fact about the play is that it features an all-Black cast, a Black playwright, and a Black director. They've sold out nearly every single weekend since the beginning of this year, and the last week for you to catch them is actually this weekend. Their last show will be on February 24th. All right, I'm here with Bianca, one of our stars from last night and the night before, and I just want you to preface me about who you are and what you stand for. Just give me a brief overview of who is Bianca. Hello, I am Bianca Laverne Jones. I'm from Raleigh. Well, if you know North Carolina, I'm from Cary, North Carolina. Okay. I have lived in New York City more of my life than I have lived anywhere else. And I am an actress and I'm a director. But before that, I am the daughter of Herman and Carolyn and big sister to Yannick. And I love to swim. Yes. <laughs> and I love to be at the beach if I could choose... I would be at the beach and have money float in some from somewhere and pay for my life. Yes. So that's who I am. Inside, I am magenta and fuchsia sparkles, and my soul is yellow. And I live in New York, and I'm an actress, and I deal with very deep, maybe like dark purple with brown 
issues often yeah. when I'm working. And I appreciate being in that space where people ask me to work on purple and dark brown issues. And so that's the space in which I typically work, but inside it's a, it's a beach bum. <laughs> <laughs> You're in the wrong state. You're in the wrong state. I mean, I could appreciate the mountains. I think I asked for a room with sunshine. So the sun shines directly into my apartment over mm. the snow-capped mountains. So I take beauty out of every little thing. So It's a nice change. Yes. <laughs> I saw some elk the other day. So That's weird. I, every time I see like mountain, not mountain lions, because oh my gosh, that would be so intense. Yeah. But anytime I see like wildlife in Denver... Mm-hmm. I'm just subtly reminded that, oh, anything can come down from those and, like, ruin my life. Yeah. Like bears. <laughs> yes. I went to Lookout Mountain, which is beautiful, Ooh. which is very, very beautiful with my boyfriend. It was yes. amazing. And on our way back down, I was going back down the mountain through memory, uh-huh. and by memory. And th- it was at nighttime, and there were these, like, seven-foot-tall men standing in the street. But uh. I was like, well, there are no seven-foot-tall men I personally think that I was seeing Colorado <laughs> randomly standing in the middle of the street. Right. And as I rolled up closer and slowed down, I was like, dear Lord Jesus, <laughs> be a fence around this Subaru <laughs> because those are huge elk. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm talking about the antlers going crazy to the sky. I mean, it was it was scary and beautiful all at the same time, like death and life happening at the same time. And so I was like, are you my spirit animal? (laughs) Harlem could never, Uh they could never have any elk that are seven feet tall. No. How dare they? No, never. (laughs) So anyway, it was beautiful and it was magical. Well, welcome. I am so thrilled to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Wow, we have a great conversation for you guys today. Um, I went to go see the play what, like about two weeks ago? Mm-hmm. And just so many beautiful themes, so many, so many inspirational moments, and also a lot of pain and hurt that I think resonated with me personally. I don't want to spoil it or give it away too much, but I just want you guys to go and see it. And I'll detail where, when, and how you can go and see this play as well. But it's also joyous and funny. Yes. I've never laughed that hard during a play where I was like, oh, these are these are some serious talks that we're going through. Yeah. But then I would have moments where I would just bust into like crying laughter. And it was just such a nice balance of uh-huh. all of these different elements. Mm-hmm. Y'all, it was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> but I kind of want to know, like, what was your inspiration for this project? What, what, what was something that inspired you to take on the role as well? Like, where were you going thought process wise sure. with the character that you have? And also talk a little bit about her. So um, I always am a clean slate um, as a performer when I come in to work on a piece. Mm -hmm. And so um, Donette and I figured out that we were country cousins, distant country cousins (laughs) that we had never met before about a year ago. And when I met her, I was like, why don't I know you? You We we were doing a reading together uh, with Robert O'Hara at the Public Theater. And um, she's this beautifully, wonderfully spirited soul that happens to be black, female, and queer. And she invited me to be a part of this play, Mm -hmm. knowing that everything about me, you know, like (laughs) I'm your country cousin from the South also, (laughs) and I am hetero, but I came into this 
saying, you know, I'm an actress, so if I can tell my sister slash my cousin's story, right. I have to tell it. Right. You know, if they choose me to tell the story, I will tell the story to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. And so um, in the process uh, of working with this play with our director, Valerie Curtis Newton out of Seattle, okay. um, incredible black queer female yes. director, um, she... Uh, we worked on a lot of different um, ways to approach this character. Mm-hmm. So initially, I was doing a vixen, a deep vixen. What we discovered after we read the play a thousand times mm-hmm. together is that maybe I should be doing a vixen accent. So right. maybe I should get in the trenches with mm-hmm. Monique and Reggie, who are right. my brother. I mean, excuse me, who are my sister and my brother-in-law, if yes. you will, um, in the play, and do this accent. But then we decided, since my character was from Georgia and had moved Moved. to Brooklyn, I had some of those tones from the South, but I was still, like, I'm educated. I went to college. I'm living in Brooklyn. You're beyond the accent, almost. Yeah, it's like I'm beyond the accent. I've assimilated in a way that has moved me away from my family, has Mm -hmm. moved me away from my accent, has moved me away from the food that I used to eat. Right, the quinoa jokes. Yeah, the quinoa quinoa jokes. (laughs) Yes. we really removed me from all those things, and including my accent, mm-hmm. and put me in a space where I'm living a whole nother life that I would never, ever have in Vixton, Georgia, mm-hmm. you know? So um, what I did to take on this role was I really used um, a lot of breath work. Mm-hmm. I um, looked at the vocal, my vocal choices very strongly, because it was a completely different character when I was doing a strong Vixen accent to when I was doing a more standard American English with uh, Southern Black touches right. to it, which is what you end up getting in right. this performance from me. right? Because um, your character and Monique were so different. Correct. I didn't even know that you were related until that initial interaction of like, oh, come say hi to your auntie. And I was like, what? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. And it and it's and it's so it's the all of the casting is really interesting. I think also that um we had never gone there before, but we had never talked about it. But Kiana being light skin, I being dark skin. Yes. But then, you know, it's these differences, but sisters. Right. Blood, mm-hmm. you know, that you can't break that right. type of bondage. So when she comes in and brings this accent, the food, yep. and all of that, I'm like, oh, yes, I remember. And then it takes me, takes it takes back. me. Yeah. It literally takes me back. I have no choice but to take everything that comes with it, if you will. Right. Not to bring any, give any spoilers. Right. You know, so I take everything that comes with my sister and the accent, the food, mm-hmm. the trouble. The love, um, all of it. Literally all of it. Yeah, literally all of it. <laughs> so um, for me, I started for uh, I started with the accent. I start with the text. Mm-hmm. I don't do a ton of backstory because it's already a lot in the right. story itself. Right. And so um, I started with the story, started with myself, mm-hmm. um, because I am Southern Black female. And um, I, people make sexuality a really big deal, but right. it's like... Why do you care who somebody is sleeping with? I know that's right. old. People used to say that back in the, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Right. But like, why do you care? Right. It wouldn't have mattered. Like, no. if she was dating a man, a woman, or was single during that time. Exactly. But I think the storyline of her dating another black woman 
really resonated with me because I don't get to see clear, uh, queer black women right. ever, like ever. represented right. in television and film and That's theater cool. at all. And so I loved that element, mm-hmm. but it wasn't something that was like, oh, this is just going to change the story for me like at all. Mm-hmm. And I hope that that didn't um, feel that way for some of the other viewers because like, yeah, your sexuality does not matter at all. And even um, I was sitting in the audience and right in front of me was this uh, really young black boy. He couldn't have been no older than 10 or something. Mm-hmm. And he was there with his mom, I'm assuming. And um, it was the first time that you and your uh, you and your girlfriend kissed. Mm-hmm. And he looked over at his mom and he was like, wow. He just said, wow. And mom just kind of like looked over at him and was just like, oh, yeah. And then continued on with the show. Wow. And I was just like... I love this. This is amazing. And that's how I knew. It was like, gotcha, bitch, when I saw this play because I was like, I am into it. Uh I am into it. But yes, no, um, your character is probably one of my favorites in the play. I think I related to her the most. Wow. But yeah. Could you tell me why? I feel like, one, because I am a queer queer black woman Mm -hmm. and also living in Colorado, her move from like the deep south Mm -hmm. to being like this educated black woman that is is she a teacher I'm pretty sure that's what I got from it Mm -hmm. like being an educator as well is just right up my alley it's Mm -hmm. almost like telling my life story Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to give too much away but one of the turning plots that had to do with um the child that's in the play Mm -hmm. um is another theme that I am currently struggling with being in my late 20s, going into my 30s in a few years, Mm -hmm. about childhood and Mm -hmm. um, childhood trauma and also wanting to become a mom, but also not knowing if that's the moment to do so, or even it being forced onto you Mm -hmm. and what that looks like. And so I don't want to ruin it too much for you guys, but there was definitely a part (laughs) when you were interacting with um, your niece, and I'm spacing on her name, and it's driving me nuts. Um, her her character her name character's Sam. name Sam. Yes, and mm-hmm. I was just like shaking in my seat because I was like, oh my god, oh my god, that's probably gonna be me in like ten years. Mm-hmm. And this little girl is such a gift, and mm-hmm. what's happening to her is so tragic. But at the same time, it's like, is this what's necessary that needs to happen? with her aunt as well. So I don't know. I just really felt like that relationship was something that I was like, I've been kind of not anticipating, but almost like, yeah, maybe one day I'll be a mom. And it being a mom comes in such a weird way. It's so unexpected. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's planned. But yeah, just how that entire story enveloped um, mm-hmm. was something that I was like, Oh my gosh, if this happened to me, how would I react? I charge you to really <laughs> Yeah, I did I, I charge you to really look into being a mother and what that would mean for you because mm. that's something that um my director Val brought up um for herself mm-hmm. um as a queer black woman who ended up not having kids. Right. Um Donetta is um in her well, I won't give that <laughs> her age. I yep. mean, she will say, but you know, she ain't no, you know, baby lamb. Right. If you will. So uh, we're about the same age. I, I'll put myself in the pot, you know. No so Google searches, y'all. Late, you know, late 30s, early 40s. Let's call it that, like 30s to 40s. So Donetta does not have kids yet. Mm-hmm. I just, um, and it's a thing. 
right? right? So there was a couple that really, uh, a queer couple that, black female queer couple that came last night that really enjoyed the show. Mm-hmm. I ended up having dinner with them last night yes. at the office. Yes. And it came up again. Right. And so, um, and she, you know, one of them is like, I have two kids. I was a teenage mother and now I know who I am and I'm good. Right. You know? And the other was saying, I want a baby. Right. You know? And so, um, anywho, it seems to be a theme mm-hmm. as I'm speaking with different ages of um, queer women. So I charge you to look into that right. now to figure out what, what you like to do, you know? Right. And, and um, find a partner that is supportive. Supportive of that as well. Yeah. So, um, I love what we were just talking about, just talking about women and being queer and what that means for having children and what that timeline looks like. But something else that's timeline related is, can you tell me about an aha moment that you've experienced in your career where it was like a turning point or gave you some perspective on what you do in your craft specifically? Sure. Um, So about... Seven years ago or so, um, I was working on a play in Chicago, mm-hmm. and um, there was a director that I was working with, and I felt that this person was leading me in a direction that I thought, no, we should be doing this or that or this or that. Mm-hmm. But as an actor, you're almost a pond being moved around the chessboard mm-hmm. and there's somebody controlling what happens and then there's somebody who owns the game, right? right. And so um, for me, when I began to think about that more and think about how I substitute um, my life in between my acting, mm-hmm. my acting gigs, I said, I, there has to be some play, and I couldn't figure out what it was or what I wanted to do, really. Right. But then, um, as I began to work on more things, and a friend asked me to direct something, and then I started directing something else, and then I started coming up with some ideas and writing things down, and I started taking some writing classes, mm-hmm. and I started really um, exposing myself to to myself as a more critical thinker Mm -hmm. and a reflective artist, I was able to look at myself um, critically Mm -hmm. and say, what is it that you would like to do with your spare time other than act or in inclusion with acting? Mm -hmm. And I figured out that it was directing. And, And then there's something about New York City that after you've been there for a super long time, you just want to get the hell out yep. sometimes. <laughs> and so I decided that I wanted to travel. And so I went to, I applied and got my master's in London from the London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts, wow. which was really cool. And so I just got back like a year ago, mm-hmm. two years ago, wow. like almost two years ago now. And it was really fantastic. And while I was there, Because, you know, um, as I'm moving about my life, I'm asking God to reveal things to me. Mm -hmm. And while I was in London, I really started thinking about all of the classical training that I've had. Mm -hmm. And as a uh, performer of color, Mm -hmm. 
um, or a black actress or a black person, a human that's black <laughs> that took classical, <laughs> you know, to, that learned, trained. yeah, that's classically <laughs> trained three times over from North Carolina School of Arts, SUNY Purchase, at Conservatory, Lambda, you know, and I went to Yale for a short period. So, wild. Uh, I know, <laughs> just wild, so much education. But what what does it say? What do, when I show up in a room, as my Angelou says, I, I come as one, but I stand as 10,000. What does that mean? for mm -hmm. Bianca Laverne Jones, right? Mm -hmm. And so while I was in London and I was able to uh, do more reflection than I ever have in my life, mm -hmm. and I think at the right time in my life as well, I said, where are our black practitioners? Mm -hmm. Where are they? Because I learned everything I know from Chekhov, Shakespeare, mm -hmm. uh, Odette's, Boloslavsky, Stanislavsky, Uta Hagen, but none of those people look like me. Or, no. And this is not to say that the things that I have learned have not made me into a, a masterful, I'll call myself, right. performer, right. right? It has. Mm -hmm. I just wonder, though, if I would have been able to skip the steps in between that were indicative of me trying having this... Uh, feel like I, I needed to be white or sound white right. or look white or be pulled up in a sense mm -hmm. um, in order to match what Shakespeare was right. or what Chekhovian work was. I mean, after a while you find out, oh no, I'm using myself completely. Right. I mean, I can't be a white woman when I'm sitting here as a <laughs> exactly. black woman. I, just, I just can't exactly. do it, you know? You can't transform yourself. Like no, <laughs> but what I can do is transform the inner side of me. Right, yes. who the for the character, and so I just wonder about where are our other black practitioners? That was my aha moment. Sorry, that was a long way to get there. No, that was beautiful. <laughs> but that was my aha moment. Once it, um, you know, when you, I have always, I always keep asking God, how can you use me? What do you want me to do? How am I supposed to show up in the world? Mm -hmm. And I think. I've always been asking those questions, but when I started asking it really deeply, saying there's got to be more to life mm -hmm. than just my acting career, which I love, but there's yes. more to it. Yes. Then it led me to being accepted into a few different, uh, a couple different um, colleges for performance studies, mm -hmm. but I didn't go because something wasn't right about it. But okay. then I ended up going to school as a director, mm -hmm. getting my master's recently in directing, but you saw me act, so yes. you know me as an actress. <laughs> um, and then while I was there, that time that I was afforded gave me the opportunity to think about, um, in a very white space I mm -hmm. was in mm -hmm. at Lambda, um, and that's not to take away anything, because I had a lot of... Uh, Black conversations or um, conversations about being black and the the lack of um, representation at the school, the lack of um, representation at the school as far as the students and the teachers. Yes, you know, so because um, this is all of the information you're absorbing for those yeah, years. Yeah, and so while I was there, it made me think more deeply about black practitioners. Mm -hmm. I love Laban or Laban or however people like to say it. He was a um, master at documenting dance movement. So uh, there are symbols for dance performances that have happened a hundred years ago or whatever that he was able to 
a document through symbols. So if I know what the symbols mean, it's like phonetics right. with with uh, my body, mm -hmm. that I could actually act this out to a set to a piece of music, right. right? And I'm like, well, who? This is brilliant, but I never have a black practitioner in front of me. Right. So I've been seeking them out, and I and I look to people like um, or Ruben Santiago Hudson. Right. So I don't know if he has a method yet, but he's a black director in New York and he's also an actor. Mm -hmm. And when I look at his work, every time I see it, there's a a rhythm to it. There's a jazziness to it because that's to his background. He's right. he's a musician of sorts. And so because of these rhythms, I'm like, huh, there's something that he's passing on about August Wilson's work because he's known for uh, being an Augustonian uh, or Wilsonian. Um it's something that he's that he knows about this work or knows about himself. That he's able to pass on in between his um, productions that builds it in a way that is something that could be studied. There's something in the rhythm there right. that I want to know more about. You know mm -hmm. that I I always ask Ruben a little bit about it every time I see him. Mm -hmm. um, there's something about uh, my godfather actually, Baba Chuck Davis. <laughs> Um, did you know yes, Chuck? Yes, I love this name. Yes. So Baba <laughs> Chuck. Oh, okay. Well, Baba <laughs> Chuck Davis is my godfather. He ran the African-American dance company out of North Carolina. But he is, oh, wow. um, there's a Dance Africa mm -hmm. that happens uh, here, actually, with um, dancer Cleo Parker Robinson and uh, Dance Africa that happens in Brooklyn. And when I think about him and his message about uh, peace, love, and respect for everybody. Mm -hmm. And then he said, if you can walk, you can dance. Yes. And so he said that is the dance is the communal language between everyone. And so, um, because everybody, everybody can move. Yes. Right. And when music comes on, it's like the great equalizer, <laughs> you know, everybody just does whatever, they everybody does whatever they want to do them. with or without rhythm. They right. do it. So, <laughs> and so, um, Anyway, mentioning these two um, men in practitioners, I, it makes me begin to question and think about black practitioners and how our uh, rhythm is passed down, if you will. Right. If, if we need to learn the rhythm, if we need to learn the dance, mm -hmm. who's writing it down in such a way? Right. Where are the symbols? Who's documenting? Who this is for documenting the, the indentra or whatever the symbols are? Where yes. are they? Mm -hmm. Who who has them? What what is the? Where are we going? You know, um, who can learn after us? The way of Eartha Kitt or Josephine Baker or mm -hmm. uh, Sammy Davis Jr. or Sidney Poitier or Maya Angelou? Like those are James Baldwin's. How can we, how can we still capture that and turn it into some sort of practice for ourselves? Mm -hmm. So anyway, it's made me think about um, that, and especially in the uh, climate that we're living in, based mm -hmm. on um, our legislature and I'm already tired. judiciary. Right, <laughs> right. Been tired. Showed up, you know, with a Fannie Lou Hamer quote. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, showed up with Fannie Lou Hamer on our backs. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, girl, speak it for it. You know, yes. tell. So, um, but it just at this at the same time, you know, that woman was fighting for legislature for us to have a voice. Um, so 
Anyway, you asked what my aha moment is. That was a long way. And uh, <laughs> and me pulling out, extrapolating what I learned or what I'm thinking about right now. But there it is. And I hope that I'm able to um, lay some sort of foundation of my own before I die that can be passed on that people can look at and say, wow, huh. Right. That's what Bianca Laverne Jones did. This is and what these I are the, to learn. Yes, this is what I, yeah, this is the way to learn this, or this, there's another way to go about this, or at least there's a thinking around this that helps me um, formulate how I approach this character as an actor. Yes. You know, how I can approach this as a dance. Mm-hmm. How can I approach this with a rhythm? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I'm, thinking about right now right. and and before I die I want to <laughs> dance it act it direct it write it yes, yes 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 <laughs> 125 well I guess also talking about what that aha moment means to you um how does this correlate the story that you're trying to tell the things that you're trying to teach this um imprint you want to leave for future generations um how does this play fit into that for you? Oh, wonderful. So um, Valerie Curtis Newton, who mm-hmm. is the director of this play, actually yes. works as uh, what she does daily is teach directing <laughs> at the University circle, of Washington. Y'all. It's just full circle. Hello, somebody. So while I was over there in London getting one education, I came here mm-hmm. and was able to, in my spare time, put my mind into kind of assistant director mode or observative assistant director mode and write down some of the things that she said day by day. What was the process that we went through as we were going through this play? Because here's a black woman who happens to be queer, which has nothing to do with the way she teaches me, you know, or would talk to me about what was going on. But she gave me a lot of small lessons Mm -hmm. daily that I was able to take away from, you know? And I was Just like, wow. Just a little bit of knowledge. <laughs> you know? Because what would you do without it? Right. But again, that was orated to me. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's probably the way Black people typically pass down there. Right. You know? It's, it's not it's... documented, like you said before. Correct. Correct. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Incredible, right? So then we have Donetta Grays, mm-hmm. who's my country cousin. Yes. Right, from Georgia, <laughs> uh, from Columbia. So um, South Carolina, actually. Excuse me, she's from South Carolina. Um, so I've got Donetta, who is writing mm-hmm. our story. Mm-hmm. Writing something that we, beautifully, <laughs> something we've never seen before. Right. Have you ever seen, or do you know of, can you name a black female queer play about love and family? Not a single one. Not a single one. <laughs> Which is why I was intrigued as well. Right. Because those stories need to be told. Correct. And not that I've read every black play there is out there, but (laughs) I've read a lot of plays. Mm -hmm. And I just hadn't seen this one yet. Yes. Um, Actually... P.J. Gibson's Long Time Since Yesterday. Now, I, that was the first play I was ever in in my life when I was 10. She's a black <laughs> female playwright. And I haven't seen her in a long, 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 long time. But anyway, um, I wish her well wherever she is in the world. But um, P.J. Gibson does have a play like this. It's called Long Time Since Yesterday. 
Um, my middle name is Laverne, and I played the character Laverne in that play, as a matter of fact, when I was like 10. Wow. But, <laughs> I know, um, but um, I have to go back and revisit that play, but I had not seen this, like this, Story. again, about love Yes. Um, in this way. Right. So um, I think it's uh, an operative time, you know, opportunistic time. I think it is the right time. Um, for this play to be here right now, right. the world is ready, mm-hmm. and it has been. Apparently it has been, been selling out every yeah, week. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> the show's been doing pretty doggone good. Yeah, you need to get in before the tickets are just gone. I know, just, right? Well, please, they put on come more, see more, me. more, more, more runs because it's a it's a fantastically beautiful play. Yeah, but I have um, one more question for mm-hmm. you before I. Let you. Did I finish answering that question? Wait, did you? Oh shit! Tell. Oh yes. What does this play mean for where you happen to see yourself going for the next steps? Okay, so um, I don't know how. So I I guess I took it to Val. So uh, was there a question just before that one? Or that was the question. That was the question. Okay. So (laughs) then, my bad. So um, I. It's brought me full circle because uh, of Val and Donetta and what I'm doing and what I'm learning, but. the question is, what am I taking away from this? Yeah, like, what does this play mean for your direction that you're going? Oh, right. There we go. So um, this play has catapulted me because I was able to be soft in a way that I had never been before in a play. Mm-hmm. I was able to work with Valerie Curtis Newton, who was our director, who I was uh, just telling you all about, uh-huh. who orated to me in tra- in griot tradition <laughs> you know lessons yes. right that i went and promptly wrote down for myself right um this play means for me that i was able to grow as an artist and it's going to propel me because i've got new ideas i've talked to other uh black female masters at what uh they're doing and who have offered me um ideas you know Everything comes from an idea. This, you doing this podcast, started as a small idea. Yes, it did. And then it was like, <laughs> let me get this equipment. So I wonder what it took right. to get all this stuff that I'm seeing here. Yeah, the process. The process that that took. So here I am <laughs> with a seed and an idea. Yes. You know, that someone's passed on to me. And then in a minute, somebody will be looking at me like I'm looking at you with all this stuff here saying, yes. wow, here I am, you know? Yeah, that's what thing. this whole journey just feels like is just seeds that are being planted, but those seeds need records almost. Yes. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like, okay, we have these beautiful fruits that have been happening throughout history that teach us these things, but it's just like you said before, like where is the documentation, where are the teachers, um, where's the representation mm-hmm. throughout all of these different projects. And so I really appreciate that that's mm-hmm. something that you're working towards to create like a permanent mm-hmm. solution moving forward for future generations to learn about this specific industry mm-hmm. um yeah so before i jump the gun again <laughs> no, 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 sorry that might be me sorry sorry um there is a specific theme in this play that really stuck with me and it was basically about forgiveness and moving on and what that looks like um at many stages of life including sam who's very young um, is there a moment in your life where you felt like you were given a second chance, but you almost didn't feel like you deserved it? Also, not going to give away any spoilers. 
Um, moment where I was feel like I was given a second chance. I don't know how many second chances I've had. I'm sure. Right. It's hard to catch those. It's hard to catch all of those. Right. But um, unless somebody is super transparent, like um, in the play, there's a specific scene, still not going to give anything away, mm -hmm. where you almost feel like this character is going to be let go or their family is going to give up on them. Mm -hmm. But and they don't want to. They want to hold on to this. They want to see growth. They want to reconcile this love. But at the same time, it's just like this person is hurting and this person's going through so much pain. Mm -hmm. How how can I let them go on and move forward, but still have this love for them? It's almost like, okay, I want to forgive them. But at the same time, like you're getting hurt over and over and yeah. over and over again. Hmm. Um, gosh. Yeah, this is a hard one. This is a hard <laughs> one. I mean, I'm thinking about my love life. I'm thinking yes. about, you know, my career. I think that uh, I, I watch T.D. Jakes like every other night. I watch his sermons every other night. Okay. Um, you heard, of, you know, T.D. Jakes? No. He's a pastor out of Texas. Um, he runs this mega church called the Potter's House. Never heard of it. Um, you sh totally should look up T.D. Jakes. He's you. Yes. Have you ever heard of this movie called Woman Th Th Thou Art Loosed? No. Um, he's one of uh, Oprah's favorite people. Where am I? <laughs> Where am I? <laughs> but but Pastor T.D. Jakes was just saying like. Um, Sometimes you need to ask God for, you know, you got to ask God for what you want, right? Yes. And then you can, sometimes you you might mess it up, right? Mm -hmm. And as far as second chances, you say, thank you, God, <laughs> that I was not given a second chance at that. Right. Because what I know now is I know how to deal with this new situation that's come to me that looks just mm. like that. Because as Yala Van Zant says, uh, what happens when you don't learn the lesson the first time? Right. And so um, I I don't think I've been given, I've been given, a, I've not been given a second chance with the thing that I might've messed up over, right. the, this thing I might've messed up over and over again. What I got was a second chance to redo the lesson, to learn the lesson. Yes. So... Although I didn't get it with this thing over here, it mm -hmm. something else just like it has approached me, mm -hmm. be it a man, a job, mm -hmm. an artistic director, uh, an interview situation mm -hmm. uh, with a job or for directing, and it comes back around. As a matter of fact, I'm waiting for another uh, <laughs> specific directing opportunity to come back around so I know what to do the next time. Yes. Um, but I always know what to do the next time. I wasn't a. I might have been a fool the first time, but the second time, it's like I'm better prepared for this. I know now. Correct. And there's a song called "Second Chance" by uh, Hezekiah Walker. Uh, it's his wife singing the song, and it's from like 1990. Oh my God, 91 or something like that. It's from like the 90s when people were wearing like color block, like yes. cross colors, and Carl Kanai. But um, he, this woman sings down in this song. It makes me cry every time because you do feel like you've been given a second chance, mm -hmm. you know? Um, 
by God for the opportunity to even come back around right. a second time. So um, I'm also a, a Yala Van Zant uh, disciple. <laughs> so um, TD uh, Jakes and Ayala Van Zandt are people that I follow, and they um, always talk about second chances. So I just I'm, I feel that I've been given a lot of grace. Yes, as far as that's concerned. I think grace is the perfect word for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to. I was fired one time Ugh. from from a place. It's the worst. Yes. <laughs> But I think you haven't really lived until you've been fired once. You should be fired once. Just once. Yeah. Just so you get your feelings hurt mm. and you don't think you're invincible, you <laughs> right. know, which I used to think it's about humbling. myself. It's extremely <laughs> humbling. And so um, when <laughs> the time came back around, somebody was coming to me mm-hmm. with something, right? Because the first time that I was fired, I was fired uh, unjustly. For, the, the worst. Right. This, this, this is me speaking it, right? So um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so when something like this came back around, but just completely different, because I didn't learn lesson the first time. Mm-hmm. I just was sad and under... Just in your feelings. Just all the yeah. way in my feelings. <laughs> what and is growth? So, I'm going to be here now. <laughs> okay. But when it came back around, because I had given it so much thought and I had given it so much reflective time and I had written about it and I had cried about it and, and done so much about it. Mm-hmm. Then when it came around the second time, I said, aha, mm-hmm. hey, trouble, I see you. Yes. How you doing? Oh, my God. This is so amazing because I know what you're going to say first. <laughs> Secondly, I know what I'm going to tell you, yep. which is amazing. And I know how this will resolve itself. And I feel mm-hmm. like a big old grown woman <laughs> right now. Growth the is the growth is, I mean, shining through right now. So, um. Yeah, I can say that I've known what to say the second time around. I know how to handle and deal with this situation, and it didn't break right. me. You know. Yeah, second chances—they're—they're they're so hard to reflect on because you're like, did I do something wrong? What's going on in this situation? They kind of cause you to be very objective in different situations. And yeah, this play made me think about all the different aspects of what was happening with the characters and, oh, do they deserve a second chance? Mm. Uh, do do I think that they've been misunderstood? Yeah. Um, do I think that they're in the wrong? Yeah. And then it's like, okay, you look at all of these different perspectives and it's like, okay, you can't really help this certain situation or they're making the best of this situation or this person just needs to walk away. And so it really made me think about, okay, where is everybody in this play at in their current life? And how does that affect Sam at the end of the day? And yeah, I feel like that is an important story about second chances and what that looks like for each individual person because you can't just think about yourself in the situation you need to be able to be introspective look within and then see like everybody else who might be involved Mm -hmm. and be like okay Mm -hmm. you know maybe this person doesn't deserve a second chance but here is why Mm -hmm. this play is full of second chances yes it is (laughs) as i think about every single character every single character wants a second chance right they want they want grace yeah. At the end of the day. Oof. And that's just, it's, this play is about, is it given to them or not? Right. <laughs> At least that's what it feels like. Right. But yeah, I have one more quick question for you. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Because this play 
has so many different aspects to it, so many different themes. There's a lot to take away, kind of what you were talking about earlier, that we need plays like this happening right now because of the current climate that we're in. Mm-hmm. What do you think that the people who watch this play, what do you think that, that they'll take away into their communities? What is this play going to do for communities? It's going to give love, first of all. Mm-hmm. Joy, mm-hmm. secondly. Oh, I hope so. There's so many good moments. Yeah. <laughs> it will make you reflective about your own life and the way you're loving and the second chances you may be given on someone else. Mm-hmm. I think that when you step back from it and, and you're not being subjective about yourself inside the play, mm-hmm. as an audience member, I think you'll step back and you'll say... That's crazy. I just watched two black women <laughs> in love. Yes. You know, and I watched a heterosexual couple as well. Right. Try to find their love, right. be in love as well. And go through trials and tribulations for both of them. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And I think that people will say, why haven't I seen this? Yes. <laughs> why? Well, like, that was me when I walked out. I was like. I'm glad I know about this now. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't I why didn't I know that this was a story I hadn't seen? It was like mm-hmm. the best thing I didn't know I needed. Right. Enlightened. And so <laughs> Yeah. Um I would be remiss if I did not try to read what my dear Donetta wrote. Yes. Um send us home. <laughs> <laughs> So Donetta says, and this is a direct quote, hey, y'all, just a thought. Oh, Donetta's voice is more down here. She said, hey, y'all, just a thought. Uh, Remember to mention during these talkbacks that there are Monique's right outside the theater Mm. in general, Mm. period. There is a mission not too far from there. And that the opioid crisis is getting the sensitivity that the crack epidemic didn't. And part of this play mission is to reclaim the narrative that Black people were criminalized even though they were dealing with the same sickness, addiction. We can afford, we can be afforded the humanity now that we were not, we can be afforded the humanity now that we were not afforded during the 80s and 90s. Mm. End quote. Wow. Yeah. And there's so much, um, if you're familiar with the Denver um, homeless population, Mm. drug population that's been happening for years and years and years, it's, I feel like, hitting a peak where our government doesn't know what to do with it and our homeless shelters are overflowing and there's just so much help that is needed. Mm -hmm. That quote is so important. Because that is true. We are literally right down the street from one of the biggest missions that support our homeless and people in need who are going through issues with drugs and alcohol as well. And that's also something to put into perspective. It's like you're going to walk out of this play and you're going to feel all of these different emotions. But at the same time, you're going right back into your community that is still struggling with this specific issue, dealing with drug addiction. And what that looks like for their families. So I pass at least two homeless people every single day right. that I come out of every day. My uh apartment building to walk to the theater for yeah. the show. 
There's not a day that I don't see a home. At first, when I first got here, it was freezing. Yes. So I didn't see anybody. Which I'm <laughs> glad for that. Like, hopefully yeah. they were somewhere safe. <laughs> yeah. And then there's a guy that hangs out right underneath the 7-Eleven mm-hmm. um, outside of Brooks. And I offered him some nuts and some other stuff one day. And he was like, oh, I'm allergic. And I was like, damn. Still real. Still human. <laughs> yeah, still human. <laughs> I try. I tried to, you know, offer them food. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So I think that people are going to love this play. Yes. So when you come and see that it's dealing with um, addiction, mm-hmm. it's dealing with uh, a queer love that you've never seen before. Yes. It is dealing with, um, there's a nine-year-old in the play that's brilliant. <laughs> but is going through some serious trauma. But is going through some serious trauma. Yeah. You think about what you would do for that little girl, what yes. you do for yourself. What sacrifices would you make? So you have a little bit of time to sneak in there before it, hopefully it doesn't sell out. But yeah, hopefully it does at the same time. But yes, thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Want to learn more about last night and the night before? Head to my Instagram at Shoes Off Please Podcast for highlights of my talk with playwright Danetta Grays. This week on our socials, we're discovering Arvada, a suburb just northwest of Denver. The Arvada Center of Arts and Humanities features an expansive installation titled Art of State. Nearly 130 pieces from artists all across Colorado converge to create an exhibit that spans three galleries in the space. Tap into the sounds, sights, and fills that make Colorado Colorado. For more details, check out my exclusive tour and interview with Kristen Bubb, the exhibition manager. Also on our Instagram, at Shoes Off Please Podcast, under the highlights on our profile. That's it for this episode of Shoes Off Please. I am so glad that you guys have stuck with me. To keep up on all of our future episodes, head to iTunes to subscribe and comment if you can and follow us on SoundCloud. We'll see you next time.